Oh, good morning, church. Oh, I'll give that a second shot. <laughs> good morning, church. Well, for those of you who don't, don't know me, my name is Kelechi Christopher Uchebu. I've um, been in IBCD for over four years now, and I'll be st I'm filling in for Pastor Jeff today, who is on a visit in Amsterdam. Before we go into the word today, would you just join me as I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I lift this service to you, Lord, and I just bring this sermon to you. I ask you, dear Lord, that you would speak through me today. Anoint my lips. Let me speak as your oracle. Let me speak that which your spirit bids me to speak. And I pray that everyone who will be listening today, Father, I pray that their hearts be open to receive your word. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit, for you are here today. And you will feed us with heaven's bread. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so today I'll be speaking on the subject, developing the human spirit through the word of God. And my anchor scriptures um, are from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'd like to read that out. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And then the second scripture is from Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. This is a very familiar scripture, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So from these scriptures we see that um, the body can be exercised. And there is also the exercise of the spirit. Because man is essentially a spirit being. And we will get to that. And Jesus tells us how the spirit of man can be exercised. In, when, when he was tempted of the devil, you'll read this account in, in Matthew chapter 4. When Satan told him, turn these stones to bread. He said to, to Satan, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Meaning that what bread is to the human body is what God's word is to the spirit of a man. Because bread feeds the body, but the word of God feeds the spirit of a man. And so we can exercise our spirit God's word is meant for your spirit. When we read God's word, it is supposed to affect our spirits because that is, um, we are spirit beings and we came directly from God. And then what happens to the body? Because I'd, I'd like to, um, I'd like to um, draw a balance here. What happens to our body? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the scripture reads, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And we see that from this scripture, that we have been bought, every one of us, 
who is born again, who has given his life to Jesus Christ, we have been blood-bought. We were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Our bodies and our spirits do not, does not belong to us. We are custodian, custodians of our bodies. And because we have made a, um, a distinction between our spirits and our bodies, we also need to know how to develop um, our spirits and our bodies. Here we're talking about the body. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit. The Bible says that your, bo your, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It is his temple because it is the temple of your own spirit. Your body is the house that you live in. You are not your body. Your body is the house that you live in. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul was speaking to the church at Philippi, and he said to them, I'm in a strait. I'm torn between two opinions. I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm having a desire to depart and to be with the Lord, which is far better, but to abide in the flesh. But to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. But to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Meaning, I, I, the man on the inside, the real Paul, I have a desire to be with the Lord. And that desire, that's a far better option. But if I'm here in the flesh, if I still choose to live in the body, I will be here and I will continue to be a blessing to you. So from that scripture, we see that there's a clear-cut distinction between who the real man is. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul said that even though our outward man is perishing, is decaying, our inward man is being renewed day by day. And there you see that we have the outward man, which is the person that we see every time we look at ourselves, and the inward man, which is your spirit man. And today our focus is on the man on the inside. However, we need to take care of the man on the outside. Because your body is what gives you license to be here. The day your spirit exits, exits the body, you lose that license to be here. And so we need to take care of our bodies. The reason why Spirit beings, whether good spirits or bad spirits, are always contending for man is because of the bodies that we possess. It is because spirit beings find their widest range of expression through the human body. The Holy Spirit wants to indwell man because we have a body. The devil wants to use men Demon spirits wants to use men because of the bodies that they possess. Jesus had to come in the flesh. He, had, he needed to have a body. The word of God took on flesh so that he could have expression here. So our bodies are important to God. And God has given us these bodies as instruments of worship. Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says... 
that we should not yield our members, our body parts, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but we should yield ourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and our bodies as instruments of righteousness unto God. The 14th verse says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. There is something about God. God is a God who does things on purpose for a purpose. He has given us this body on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose is that through our bodies we can express worship to him. As a matter of fact, worship begins from your spirit and your body expresses it. Sin can therefore be redefined as the abnormal use of the body because good works and sin manifest through the human body. And the purpose for which God has given us the body is that we can glorify him. His character and his beauties and his excellences can be expressed through us. The word abuse is a combination of two words, abnormal use. So every time we use this body to do things that does not glorify God, we are actually abusing our bodies. And that's why the Bible teaches us to be, um, teaches purity. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that we should know how to possess our bodies in sanctification and in honor. That's because the Holy Spirit dwells in this temple. And this temple needs to be kept clean. And this subject that we're looking at today, of course, right now we should know, it's in relation, it's in relation to the believer. I'm talking about believers, those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior as their Lord and personal Savior. Because this, the unbeliever cannot develop his spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, the natural man, the man who has not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, that man cannot receive the things of the Spirit because they are foolishness unto him. He cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. He does not have the spiritual technology to decode spiritual information. Why? Because he's spiritually connected, disconnected from God. He does not have the Holy Spirit. So for the man who is not yet born again, he needs to meet Jesus at the cross. And he needs to be reconnected to God. Then he can, that person can start talking about developing his or her spirit. So I'm talking about the believer because we have a relationship with God. So when we care for our bodies, we're caring for God's temple. And everything we know to do, we should do it to take care of this body. It's your license. It's, what, it's your license that gives you... Um, the, the permission and the ability to function here on earth. 
Do the exercises you know to do. Um, place yourself on diets. Go for medical checkups. Do all you need to do to keep this body healthy. Because God needs your body. As a matter of fact, um, Romans chapter 6 verse 13, when it talks about our bodies being instruments of righteousness, the, the Hebrew word for instrument is the word weapon. Our bodies are weapons of righteousness. God uses our bodies to bring his will to bear on the earth. And so what about the mind? What happens to our mind? Our thought life is just as important to God as, a, as, a, a, as, as we take care of our spirits. Our minds are just as important to God as our bodies. Because your mind is the doorway to your spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the scripture reads, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue in them, if there be any praise in them, think upon these things. What do we focus our minds on? Because our lives will gravitate in the direction of our predominant thoughts. So we need to give attention to our thought life. As a matter of fact, um, most of the battles that we fight in our lives happens in the mind. That's where the enemy attacks us the most. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. For the weapon, um, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These things happen in the mind. It's the battleground. And so when the enemy brings thoughts of fear, we need to stand our ground and resist him. You know, a lot of people are suffering from depression today. And it starts with a thought. And a lot of people have become slaves to their, to their minds. They don't know how to handle those thoughts. Those thoughts just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And But God doesn't want us to be slaves to our minds. He wants us to know how to handle the thoughts that come to our minds. And how do we do that? It is through his word. Psalms 119 verse 165. The scripture reads, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. The more we keep our minds upon God's word, and we will come to that later, 
in the course of this sermon, the more peace we can enjoy. Jesus said, in the world you would have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And his peace is available to us. But how do we access that peace? By keeping our minds, our minds stayed on his word. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on, on the word. And so when thoughts come to our minds, those thoughts should pass through the filter of God's word. Like we read in Second Corinthians, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Are those thoughts true? Are they honest? Are they just? Are those thoughts pure? Are they lovely? Are they of good report? Does it have virtue in it? Does it have praise in it? If it doesn't meet all of these requirements, discard those thoughts. Refuse them. Because our minds are so important. They are like, um, they stand between the, 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 the spirit and the body. They are right there. It's, the, the mind is right there in, in the middle between the spirit and the body. That's where you make decisions. And then this brings us to how God made man. The creative work of God. Let's, let's travel in our minds back to the Garden of Eden. The way God made this world, you will find two things. Precedence and you will find principles. Today I'm going to be talking of one of those principles. You know, God did not make the fish and later wondered, where is this fish going to live? No, he made the sea first. He made the water, and then before he made the fish. The land was, was there ready before the plants were, were, were made. He made everything. He made the garden before he made the man. He did not make the man and wondered, okay, where is this man? Where is Adam going to live? No, there was precedence. There was order in the way God created the world. And in that precedence, you can find priority. Because God prioritized man, everything else that he made, he made to serve man. Now let us zero in on the man. How did God make the man? Because it, um, it, it, it involves two processes. First, his body was formed from the earth. And then God breathed into man the breath of life. So we have the formation of man and the actual creation of man. The body, the body of man existed for the spirit. You read in James chapter 2 verse 26. The scripture reads, as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works dead. 
The body existed for the spirit. Meaning, the body was made to serve the spirit. So the spirit was more important than the body, even though we need this body. But the spirit was more important because it was when the spirit came when the spirit came into the body that man became a living soul. Otherwise, the formed body would have remained there and nothing would have happened. It is the spirit that gives life. And so we see that man's spirit, um, God placed priority on man's spirit. And then we come to the principle one of the principles that we find in creation, in the way God created man, is a principle of, is, is something that can be captured as source determines survival. When God was to make the fish, God spoke to the waters. Water, bring fish. When he was to make the plants, he spoke to the earth. Earth, bring forth the plants. When he was to make cattle and fowls, he spoke to the earth, bring these things forth. And that's the reason why fish can only survive in water. You take fish out of water, it will die. If it stays out for too long, it will die. Because the source determines its survival. It will die. The, the, the water becomes its habitat. Same thing for the plants. Pull a plant from the, from the ground. Leave it out for some time. Let it stay out of the ground for some time. It will die. Because God spoke to the earth to bring them forth. That's the source. When it came to man, God said, let us make man. God spoke to himself. And so man is a God-dependent being because he's a direct product of God. Man cannot successfully function outside God because his spirit came from God. It was when God introduced himself to that to that um, form, to what he formed, to the body of man that he formed, it was him. He introduced a part of himself to what he formed when he breathed into that, into, into what he formed, and that was what made man come alive. And so, man can only survive in God. But we know that sin came, and when Adam sinned against God, God told him. The day you eat of this fruit, you will die. They ate of the fruit. And they died. But the death was spiritual. They were disconnected from God. Their spirits were disconnected from source. We're in summer right now. The weather is really warm. We have, we have a, um, a fan there. There's a fan there, and it has blades. When you connect it to power source, it begins to turn, 
and then we can have cool air. The thing about it is, when you turn the power button off, when you press the power button and you turn it off, the blade continues to turn for some time. It doesn't come to a halt at once. The blades continue to turn, but it has been disconnected from power source. And so, even though Adam lived, corruption had already set in. It took physical death 930 years to catch up with him. Physical death became inevitable. Man had to die because spiritual death had already taken place. And as time went on, the life expectancy of man began to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. And every man who is born into this world today, because sin is a nature problem, every man who is born into this world today is born a sinner. And you know the thing is, some people go through life and as far as God is concerned, if they never met Jesus and they never give their lives to Jesus, they go through life having never lived from God's perspective because they never had eternal life. They never met with Jesus. They were not born again. The Bible speaks of people who are alive, physically alive, but dead. You know, some people go through life like the blades of that fan. There is rotation or there is no supply. And some people go through life like that until physical death catches up with them. And they go into a godless eternity and into a Christless eternity. And this is a wake-up call for the church. God has given to us the word of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19 and the ministry of reconciliation so that men can be reconnected back to supply. And God had to devise a plan. Redemption. Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come. And we read in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now we want to look at the role of the new birth in the role of the word in the new birth. What role does God's word play in the new birth? First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the scripture reads, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And in James chapter 1, verse 18, the scripture reads, Of his own will, 
begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Now let's, let's look at how people get saved. How you got saved. How I got saved. The gospel was presented to you. God's word came to you in the gospel. You heard of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And you received that word. You believed the word and you received that word. And at that instance of time, the moment you confessed Jesus as Lord and received him as your savior, at that instance of time, you were made a new creature. That word that you received entered your spirit. The Holy Spirit incubated that word and new life was born on the inside of you because the spirit and the word agrees. And so you received new life and you were born anew. You were born again. The word becomes the agency through which that new life came. And in that instance of time, you were immersed into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So you were made a member of the body of Christ. The Holy Ghost did that baptism himself. You were placed in the body of Christ. But it all started with the word. You heard something. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. You heard God's word. And faith was born in your heart. And you received that word. And you received new life. The word of God becomes a source of that life. You find a parallel also in how Jesus was born. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said to her, Hail Mary, favored of the Lord. And broke the news to her. You will conceive in your womb the Son of God. And she said to him, How can these things be, seeing that I don't know a man? And the angel Gabriel said something profound. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. And that thing that shall be born in you shall be called the Son of God. And the moment Mary said, Behold your handmaid, be it unto me according to your word. Instantly she received that word. The Holy Ghost came upon her. And the word of God became flesh in her, in the person of Jesus Christ. It all started with words. Interestingly, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible, God was speaking prophetically about Jesus and he calls him the seed of the woman. I will place, I will, I will put enmity. He was talking to Satan. He said, to the serpent, he said, I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman 
and between thy seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. And on the cross of Calvary, his heel, the heels of our Lord Jesus were bruised. But when Jesus rose from the dead, conquered the power of grave and death and hell, conquered the power of sin. And when he rose from the dead, Satan was eternally defeated. The head of that serpent was crushed. And his victory is our victory because everything that Jesus did, he did not do for himself. He did for us. His death was substitutionary. He took our place. So you see that it all started with a word. Jesus is called the word of God. The seed of the woman is also called the word of God. Because John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you read in Revelations chapter 19 verse 13, John, John the beloved was describing Jesus and he said his eyes were as flames of fire and upon his head were many crowns and he had a name that was written which no man knew except, except himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The seed of the woman is the word of God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So that word is the agency by which we receive that life. And on the principle of source determining survival, that life can only be sustained through the word. Because the way that God gives himself to us is through his word. And the word was God. John chapter 1 verse 1. How do we ascertain God's will? We ascertain God's will through his word. That's how we make contact with God. And when Jesus came to the earth, he came to, to the earth as the living, moving, breathing will of God. Everything he did, he came to show us God's will. And he is called the word of God. First John chapter 5 verse 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. He is the Word of God. And so the written Word reveals to us the living Word. And that's why it's very important for us to take God's Word seriously and develop our, our spirits with His Word. God's word is not meant for our, for our heads. It is meant for our spirits. As newborn babes, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. You know, when a person is sick and goes to the hospital and the doctor begins his diagnosis, one of the things the doctor asks is, do you still have appetite? Because it's a good sign. If you still have appetite, it's a good sign. The question to us is, do we still have appetite for God's word? Desire the sincere milk of the word of God. 
It is, it is good sign for good spiritual health if you still have appetite for God's word. It was in, in Matthew chapter 5, what we call the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. God wants us to be in that place where we hunger for him and thirst for him, for his word. Isn't it amazing that we can sit in front of the television set for one hour and it's difficult to stay with your Bible for 30 minutes? Ever wondered why? Because Satan will fight you in the area of your greatest strength. Because God's word feeds your spirit. The things we watch on the television feeds our senses, our minds, our, our flesh. But God's word feeds your spirit. This brings us to how we can apply God's word in our daily lives. James chapter 1 verse 22 says for us to be doers of the word and not hear us only, deceiving our own selves. You know, knowing God's word is not just mentally assenting to it. It is living it. It is doing it. There is a knowledge that comes from doing something practically and just reading it in a book or just mentally assenting to it. There's practical knowledge because you have made contact with it. You know how it works. And there are certain things in God's word that we can only know when we do God's word. The second point is meditating on God's word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate on it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Also we read in, in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who stands not in the way of sinners, who sits not in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His fruit... His leaves also shall not wither. He brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. Meditation. Sometimes we need to just um, step away from everything else and lock yourself in with God. Something that's really powerful about meditation is that it's the doorway to revelation. There are things in God's word that will, you will never know until you spend time to meditate on that word. Take time out and just go somewhere quiet. Take, the, take your Bible, go somewhere quiet. It's just you and the Holy Spirit and God's word. The Bible is a closed book. And let me explain what, that, what, what I mean by that. The Bible is a closed book. It takes the author of this book to open it. It takes the Holy Spirit to open this book. 
And so when you make room for him, when you take time out and meditate on God's word, you are giving room to the Holy Spirit to reveal what is in this book because holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we should also learn to speak God's word. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We, having the same spirit of faith, as we have believed, so we speak. I also believe, and I speak. None of us is immune to life. Life happens to all of us. And when life happens to us, the target, the target is our spirit. Because when the spirit of a man is broken, it can affect the mind. If the damage is severe, it affects the mind. And the body can also be affected. The body can break down in health. So when trials and temptations and challenges come to us, it is targeted at, at our spirits. That's why we need to give priority to our spirit. Fortify your spirit with God's word. Because you have, if you build your body, you get all the biceps, bulging biceps and triceps and, and seven packs and all of that. No, that will not avail when life happens to you, when tests and trials come. It won't solve the problem. It won't avail. That will not do anything. It is strength of spirit that helps you go through those times. Because you've over time taken time, you've taken time to build yourself up with God's word. And you can go through those, those moments in your life. And because we live in a world, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, calls Satan the God of this world. It says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus should shine into their hearts. Satan is called the God of this world, the God of this world's system. He's back of every evil that happens in this world. And because you are swimming against the tides, Satan will come after you as a believer. That's the truth. If you have made your mind to walk with God, you will meet satanic opposition. But thank God we are not under the dominion of Satan. Colossians 1.13 says we have been delivered from the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. We are no longer under Satan's authority. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, Satan, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. But resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him. We can resist him. How do we resist him? Through the word. Because that was how Jesus resisted him. Jesus said to him, it is written, we cannot be any smarter than Christ. We have to do it the way Christ did it. He used the word against the devil. We are to use the word against the devil. The, the, the ninth verse says, knowing that these same trials and temptations are accomplished in your brethren all over the world. We are all going through the same thing. Believers all around the world, we are going through the same thing. You know, somebody um, 
describe the word, uh, explained the word fellowship in a very, very funny way. He said, fellowship means fellows in the same ship. It means we are all going through the same thing. But thank God we can resist the devil. James chapter 4 verse 7, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We can and we do so with the word. And then the final verse I would like to talk about is Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to quench all the, uh, that you, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand with your loins got about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, take unto you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In that armory, the only offensive weapon you have is the sword of the spirit, God's word. That is your weapon of offense. This is how we stand against the works of Satan. This is how we are to build our lives. We should learn to speak the word because you are your own first audience and you are the first prophet of your life. We also read in James, the Bible compares our tongues to a ship. We can steer the course of our lives in the direction of God's word. The more we speak his word, the more we speak his word and declare it over our lives. These things are very key because faith has a voice and it speaks the word of God. And I pray for every one of us today that we will give ourselves to God's word. And you know, there is, there is the milk of the word, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, and there is the meat of the word. God wants us to move from milk to meat. There are deeper things in God, but it is our growth that determines what God can release to us. Um, and we are the ones who determine how fast we grow. How much of ourselves we apply to God's word. That determines our growth. The growth of the believer isn't so much as to how long you have been a believer. As it is, how much of yourself you are given to his word. And I pray for, for every one of us. I pray for us this morning that we will be awakened in our hearts to give God's word the place of authority that it deserves in our lives.
in the name of Jesus. Will you please pray with me? Dear Father, we thank you this morning for your word and we are grateful for, for bringing your word to us. We ask Holy Spirit that you would help us to live by your word, help us to give your word the place that it deserves. May your word be final authority in our lives. We thank you this morning, Father. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And we ask, Father, that even as Jesus is called the Word of God, the Word of God was made flesh in Jesus. I pray, Lord, that our lives, that in our lives, Lord, your Word will be made flesh, that our lives will manifest your Word. We thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.